This week, Anne, you and I are taking a much-deserved rest. Except I don't think either of us will be resting. We're, like, (laughs) driving places. I love how it's always, like, go, you know, everybody enjoy your family and friends and time off so you can be reset and ready for the new year. It's like, go fuck off. (laughs) Nobody feels that way. Who on January 1st is like, I feel refreshed and ready for the new year? Not one person. I'm going to try. I'm going to (laughs) try. All right. Well, you'll fail just like everyone else (laughs) in the world. The expectation that's placed on like being recharge your batteries. I'm like, get the, you know what you're going to, I will be recharging batteries, actual batteries from all the shit I had to fucking wrap. Oh, (laughs) nightmare. Wonderful. All right. Well, yeah. but in, in lieu of a, uh, a 100% <laughs> a new episode, we are having an encore episode of our most popular uh, episode of the year. Yeah. And you know what? I kept going, what a random episode. Why? <laughs> Who cares about Just Like Heaven starring Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo? And then I looked back at the title of the episode and it mentions STDs. And I think that's what sold people. I I think we know. need to do, you know, 2023, we need to do more stories on STDs. All right. Well, and on that note here, <laughs> please, please enjoy our most popular episode. And if you want to tell us why you loved it so much, please do. And if you missed it, this is your chance to catch it. All right. And both of us are. <laughs> what a way, what a kickoff. Already, already defeated. It's <laughs> four seconds in. I just went to my, I just got back from my college reunion. So I'm, I am going to give it the old college try, as they say. Well, I'm going to give you an A plus. Oh, thank you, Anne. Welcome. Which will be more than I can say for the movie we watched this week. But... Oh my God. Can I just say, I had ne- when I, when you texted it to me, I literally had never heard of it. I didn't know it existed. Yeah. Uh, and I said, with an all-star cast like that, how do how could I have never even heard of it? Yeah. I don't even remember it coming out in the movies. Same. And then after watching about 20 minutes of it, I said, well, I know why. <laughs> I know why I have never, <laughs> never heard, heard of this. All right. Well, we'll keep people on pins and needles until we reveal the name. Yeah. And even then you'll go, what? What? first this is that's outrageous and i am chrissy and i'm ann and this is the podcast where we talk about interesting news and in this case not an interesting movie no not at all movie with an interesting cast yeah well we're really selling it we're coming in we're coming in at like a four (laughs) here (laughs) we're keeping them on like i said keeping them on the edge of their seat till they find out things can only go up this week, we're starting with a story that your former boss sent to you, right? Yes. A loyal, another loyal podcast. Listener. Yes. I was like, this is a great one. And it's really something when it's like, when you hear the subject matter of the story and a former boss, a friend, good friend <laughs> is like, this makes me think of something you'd be interested in. And I said, indeed, you're correct. Yeah. So thank you, Kendra. And we encourage anyone else to send us stories. Yeah, here's the headline that everyone was interested in. And this is in the Washington Post. This is not from my usual New York Post. This is the Washington (laughs) Post. Correct. Yeah, it's a real news story. It's a real news story. Uh, She got an STD during car sex. Now Geico (laughs) could pay her $5.2 million. Can you imagine? No. And let me just say, I have read this story twice. I still don't understand why Geico could be responsible for that. I said the same thing. I was like, I don't understand how in the world Geico could be culpable in this. Yeah. So here's the story. A Missouri woman said she caught a sexually transmitted disease after having sex in the car of a Geico member. And and the um, court system agreed with her. Because they're saying, if I believe it was a Hyundai Genesis. Oh, I, I didn't. Oh, sorry. And you, I, I didn't see that in the article. I read. Yes. I read one that said she was having sex in a Hyundai Genesis. Okay. And she contracted HPV. That's right. 
And she, and I don't know why, why you wouldn't go after the owner of said Hyundai Genesis, That's maybe because thing. he doesn't have any money. She decided to go after Geico because they insured the car. And I guess the argument is what happens in that car is under, you know, the, the jurisdiction of that insurance money, yeah. I guess, which I don't understand. I don't understand how that could be. I don't understand it either. And she, so she notified Geico that she was seeking monetary damages and the circuit court ruled that the man was liable for not disclosing his infection, saying the sex in the car directly caused or directly contributed to the cause of the woman's contraction of HPV. Right. Geico said that the judgment did not fall in line with Missouri law, claiming that the man's policy covered injuries that only came out of ownership, maintenance, or use of the car. Well, that is use of the car. I guess, yeah. That's some use of the car. Yeah. Um, They further went on to say that the injuries to the woman arose from an intervening cause, namely her failure to prevent transmissions of STDs by having unprotected sex. Aha, uh-huh. the seatbelt of sexual acts. Wonderful, Anne. Very well that? said. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, That's and- what I would say in court, Your Honor. Yeah. She neglected basic car maintenance, the seatbelt oh. of sexual acts. In a car without a car. Yep. Yeah, well, and actually a three-judge panel sided with her. That's, I think that's crazy. And by the way, can you imagine how many people have had sex in a car? I'm, you know, I'll even narrow it down. In a Hyundai that transmitted, <laughs> got, a, got a sexually transmitted disease from that. I, I guarantee it's more than one. It's more than one out there. Yeah, well, and they, they are potentially awarding her a $5.2 million in damages. That just seems like a lot of money in damages. That is a lot of money. And originally she asked them for a million, but that's when they were like, forget it. We're going to court because you don't have a chance. And now the court is like, how about 5.2? I will say this though. I mean, we've all been screwed by insurance companies for various things, you know, where they're like, oh, sorry, or the deductible is this. It's kind of, on the one hand, it's kind of nice to see somebody finally getting something out of an insurance company. Yeah. But this, I, like I said, this is going, I mean, this could, if every single person that this happened to filed claim, I mean, yeah, this place could go, uh, belly up just like the woman in the backseat of of the Hyundai Genesis. (laughs) Uh, yes, you're right. It was a 2014 Hyundai Genesis and you were extremely correct. Get you every time. And I actually like that the Washington post is sort of putting in a joke. It says, a luxury sedan that Kelly Blue Book raved leaves very little to criticize. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was pretty comfortable. That's really something, though. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I'm torn, but it's a fascinating case. It is. It's a fascinating case. Here's another. Here's something that happened that is truly, truly outrageous. And I know exactly how I feel about this one. Oh, my. Okay. And this video, you probably, I don't know if you heard of this, Anne, it went viral because what happened was at a Disneyland park in Paris. Oh, well, it was in Paris? It was Paris. Yes, I did see this video. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. This uh, man picked his spot. According to the man, he asked a park employee if he could propose to his fiance at this particular location. Yeah. Park employee said yes. It was like, you know, a little stage overseeing, you know, I guess the Magic Kingdom type. Yeah, yeah, the castle, the classic castle. Yeah, the big castle. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, and let me just say this couple is are huge Disney people, have been there several times. That's why he wanted to propose there. It's like key to their whole relationship. He gets down on one knee. The woman is speechless. He takes out the ring. He literally has the ring and the box like in his hand, ready to open it. And he's on one knee. He's on one knee. On one knee. And a park employee comes running up in between them, grabs the ring (laughs) and escorts them down to a different spot where he wants him to move to. He's like, nope, nope, nope. Here we go. Down here, down here. It was 
one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Crazy. I, I, I was, I watched it like four times because I just couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing. And, and the sw- I will congratulate him on the swiftness for which he was running and simultaneously grabbed the box. Yeah. And then was like, do it down here, do it down here at the end, like at the end of the like three steps. Yeah. And the first thing that occurred to me was, dude, you're getting paid like, it can't be that much. Like, is it really worth ruining like one second of a moment? I mean, the proposal would have lasted one second. Yeah. And I, I was like trying to figure out, like, I, I was, I was like, are there rules against like taking pictures in front of that castle? Because I will say the one in Orlando, there are like Disney employees that take your picture in front of that castle. Like they're always like trying to, you know, upsell yeah. you something. So I was like, maybe that's like a weird like rule that you can't, but apparently not. I think it was because it looked like it was some sort of stage and maybe the stage is only for performers, but regardless, we all know any person who's been to any Disney park, it costs $1 million to enter. And if a person's been there a million times and they're one of those Disney nuts that loves Disney, honestly, the guy was halfway done with the proposal. You couldn't have let him say, marry me and her go, yes. And then that's it. And then that would have been a nice moment. It would have taken one second later. Yeah. And instead he moved them and she, I mean, she did say yes, but but, I mean, it was crazy. Well, and then they spoke to the couple and they were like, it was both like the happiest and saddest moments of their life because they were like, it was ruined by this overzealous Mickey Mouse ear wearing employees like crazy. Like, I think that employee should be fired honestly i mean it's using poor judgment yes well they they said there's thousands of people that are extremely angry at uh disney and they um they have declined to um comment as to whether or not what's going to happen to this employee but they have said they regretted how the situation was handled i mean unless you know this guy was said you know told which is certainly possible under no circumstances is anyone allowed on this stage area. If you see anyone, you have to get them off immediately. Like I could see that happening. Or if, or if they were like, he didn't, uh, maybe they needed to ask, who knows? Who knows? Let me just well, say the who fact knows? that you even have to ask to do that for one second is dumb, but either way, maybe the guy was, you know, specifically told you cannot allow anyone up here to which I would say, where were you four minutes ago as the guy was getting down on his knee? Yeah. It's just, it was very insensitive. It was crazy. And if you haven't seen this, you have to go and watch it because it was almost like he was full of glee. It was the happiest place on earth to crush those those (laughs) dreams because he, I mean, he just snatched the box. Like, like he, he, he was ruining the moment like and, and, and relished in it. It almost looked like something out of a performance. Yeah, it did. It looked like it was like, somebody doing like a some weird improv yeah no it did um and they disney did offer the couple a free weekend uh, all expenses paid they have declined and said they'll never return to any disney park why would you i mean honestly you know what honestly though they should milk it and they should be like we need a full wedding we need to stay in the nicest suite in the land i mean geez if you can sue for having sex in a Hyundai, they could sue for emotional distress. And that would be legitimate. That could be their move. That could be why they said no. Yeah, that they were going for bigger. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, the, the magic kingdom turned ugly. It, it Yeah, it really was. It was wild. It was. It was. It was wild is right. And sticking with the theme park theme, hmm. my last story, Anne, is, took place at an amusement park in Pittsburgh. Okay where they have those rides that I would literally never in life go on. Like they, like you're strapped in, harnessed in, and you go in a big loop upside down, like over and over again. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know those? Some of them I can do. I can't, I would get sick on like a teacup before I'd get sick on one of those. I can't do the things that just go round and round and round. Those yeah. are the ones that make me sick. But um, this one, so this one went upside down. It's called the arrow 360. Oh, and it malfunctioned exactly when everyone was upside down, like at the point of upside down. That's one of my biggest fear. Honestly, one of my biggest fears of any kind of roller coaster ride is to be stuck upside down, stuck, stuck upside down. And oh, God. And apparently it 
they were up there for five minutes upside down. I mean, don't you pass out? All the blood rushes to your head. Would you- well, the people were also terrified that their harnesses might malfunction. Yeah. Oh my God. That is terrifying. So, so people are saying they were traumatized by it. Um, of course the company's like, they weren't up there for that long and we got them right down and everything was fine, but they five minutes feels like an eternity. I can imagine. I would imagine. And, and that's exactly what someone was quoted as saying. They're like five minutes felt like an eternity. I should have been their lawyer. I think you could just be like, ladies and gentlemen, your honor, imagine if you will. Yeah. Your life hanging in the, literally hanging in the balance. Yes. For five minutes. Five minutes. That's honestly that end to your, I didn't think about the blood rushing your head, but yes, the blood, blood would be rushing to your head, you know? And I think you would just start panicking. So you would be like, oh my God, am I physically going to be injured because I'm upside down? Am I going to fall out? You know? So the emotional plus the physical and then all the adrenaline. Yeah. I would never go on a ride like that, but if for some weird reason I was, I think I'd just be crying hysterically for the whole five minutes. Oh yeah. I've been on rides like that. And, but and those are the kind of things that occurred, occur to you. You go, God, what if one time when I was little, two different times, actually <laughs> two different times. <laughs> well, I was at Hershey park and my, I was with my cut, one of my cousins and Brian and my sister Kate, and, and we were on a, the super duper looper at Hershey park and his harness was not all the way down oh my and god. the thing started and we were like oh my god the thing isn't down you know all the way and they're just like oh bon voyage you know and I I was panicked he was so we were we like had to hold down his thing that's crazy the whole ride yeah that's a lawsuit Ann. well it was the 80s you didn't see I mean I don't know we weren't we were not a litigious family that's good but well, is it shit? I could be gotten 50, 50 grand. If I would have been in the back of a Hyundai for all I know, you know, how many times have I said Hyundai this episode, but, um, and it's 5.2 million, not 50 grand. Oh yeah. 5.2. So I could have gotten 50 grand for distress from, from Hershey park. <laughs> I have to say in this lawsuit, you probably could have gotten 50 grand just for walking by and witnessing the sex act. <laughs> <laughs> if the, if the Hyundai's a, a rocking, don't come a knocking. <laughs> Uh, oh boy oh boy oh yeah oh and then i was on another ride or no i think it was a disney my sister was almost fell out of space mountain you fell out of space mountain no my sister was very little and you know back then in the 80s it was not as secure like you had to kind of sit in it like toboggan style yeah and she was like almost slipping through through my mom's hands wow it was the 80s you just did we don't know i mean that's just that's, you just went oh well yeah. You want to go, you want to go again? And you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so let's, now is the time to reveal what <laughs> this movie was that we watched. The great reveal. The great reveal. And well, I'll just say this first. At first we were going to watch a different movie. We were going to watch, um, now I can't remember the name of it. Um, Didn't you want to watch He-Man? Isn't that what you suggested? No, it wasn't He-Man. It was, it was with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. He's He-Man. Oh, that's his character name? That's not yes. the name of the movie, though. Masters of the Universe. That's the He-Man world. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't even know that was He-Man? I watched 10, literally 10 minutes of it. I was like, this is, I thought it'd be like so bad, it's good. Like there'd be good things to talk about. But I was yeah. like, they had this like little, like grinchy, elfy kind of character who was a locksmith. And Oh, it's frankly, Ange- wasn't frankly Angela Skeletor? Oh, was he? There, I, I will the the mask for Skeletor literally looked like they got it from Party City. I mean, it was I just feel like it was Langella. I could be wrong. Let me look. I remember I saw it like literally in the 80s, like one time. Yeah, I couldn't, I could not watch more than 10 minutes. I don't know what made you want to do that one. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I, again, I thought it'd be one of those, oh, it's so bad, it's good. Yeah. But it was, it's so bad it's unwatchable. Oh my. Well, you know what has um what's in common? with that one <laughs> the movie we watched yeah <laughs> okay so the the movie we watched is called how do you know from 2010 how, how do you know that it's a bad movie every time i paused it to get up and like get something or i would go oh my god there's still 40 minutes and i said that about five different times <laughs> 
Well, and as you were saying, it, it was deceptive because the cast, it, the star is Reese Witherspoon. Yep. The two male leads, Paul Rudd and Owen Wilson. Whom I love both of them. Jack Nicholson is a supporting character. You can't go wrong. And it's a James L. Brooks movie. I like James L. Brooks movies. I, I like a lot of his movies. Oh, by the way, it is Langella. I was correct. Yeah. I should have been able to tell if Party City Mask, but... <laughs> So it, it had this great past. It, and a, it really did. I mean, it, um, it, it truly was a, a, a list, a list all the way. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is uh, to date, as of 2022, that was the last film that Jack Nicholson has been in. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I'm not doing this anymore. I feel like he has to do another one to erase this one. I don't think he yeah. really wants to go out. Although he's not in it very much. Not in it very much. And look, no. The thing is, the performances were all pretty good. I thought Owen Wilson was so charming. I mean, I love Jack I Nicholson. Yeah, I, well, I just love Owen Wilson. I love how I just, he make, he, he's funny to me always. Well, but he played kind of a cad. Oh, yeah. He played a, he played a professional football or not football, baseball player. Yeah. Who like, you know, had g- girls in his, you know, rotating door. Yes, exactly. Well, I'll just say, I think the, the, my problems with this movie started right from the get-go because Reese Witherspoon is supposed to be a professional <laughs> softball player. Yeah. Who like plays for like Team USA. Yeah, for Team USA. And apparently to prep for this role, she practiced two to three hours every day for months so that she could look convincing as a softball player. I guess she was kind of convincing, but who cares? Well, I think there must have been a plan for more softball footage because it's only set 20 seconds. Oh, well, I assumed that that was a stand-in catch, catching on when they had that scene where she's catching balls. I didn't even, because you don't see her face. I think that was a stand-in. Well, apparently she was training for months for those 20 seconds. I, again, I think a lot of things went wrong with this movie. Well, that was a waste of time for reasons. And I was like, she well. doesn't seem like a professional softball player at all. No. And her character is pretty boring and she speaks in like motivational speech language and has stickies on her mirror that are, you know, yeah, inspirational quotes, which to me, I would be like, run away, run away from that girl. Well, and apparently this role was written for her with her in mind. Well, she's so type A, like I can see that. And I like Reese Witherspoon, don't get me wrong, but I just thought her character was pretty boring pretty boring and also she just doesn't have the physicality of a softball player but all right I'll, and, and i guess nor does owen wilson look like a professional <laughs> baseball player oh but, but he's the best i just i just really he was honestly the only thing that i was like oh god at least let owen wilson come back the thing I'm, i was fascinated about in this movie and other movies i found is like owen wilson seems attractive but fundamentally he's not i'm like they somehow just package him well i love him i know i think he's hot isn't that weird though i I don't know. Charm goes a long way. I think if you actually look at his face, it's like, I like it. I like his weird nose. Yeah. I like, I like his weird mop top haircut that he's had for 27 years. I'm on board with it. He somehow pulls it off. All right. Well, the, the story of this movie that we're really building up is that Reese Witherspoon is a softball player. He's a baseball player. They um, meet and start dating though. She knows that he's a player both on and off the field, uh, literally and figuratively. Exactly. And that was actually another thing. I didn't really see why she would even want to date him for more than just a fling. Like it was like, right. it started as a fling, I think. And then she's like, oh, now we're really going to date. I'm like, what part of this has made you think that you really want to date him? Yeah, it was. The story went back and forth. It was 45 minutes too long. And it wasn't that long. Let me say that. It, it, I felt like it, it never ended. I was like, this is just, will never end. And I don't even care what happens to all these people. Like, I don't care. I didn't. Well, right. And so concur, I agree. Uh, and concurrent to that, as this is sort of happening, Paul Rudd calls Reese Witherspoon. Oh, so Paul Rudd is uh, in business with his father, who's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And some, some sort of like financial CEO, right? Like we don't really know what that company does. Something with stocks. Yeah. And, but he has just found out that he 
has been implicated in some criminal activity, white collar crime with this financial. Yeah. Firm. And also, and Mark Len Baker, who I love is in it. He's the um, counsel. Right. He's in it for like five minutes and Catherine Hahn's in it. And Catherine she's Hahn. great. I just kept going like, everybody's great in this. Why is this the most boring movie ever made? It is boring. Well, Paul Rudd was supposed to go out on a date with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. John from Mad Men set them up. But one of her teammates knew him and was like, you guys should go out. Yeah. He calls her. Meanwhile, she's not even expecting his call. Not really. Just to say, hey, I'm just letting you know we were supposed to set up a date. They didn't even set up a date. We were supposed to set up a date, but I just want you to know I'm not going to do it because I'm now seeing someone. And she's like, okay. I didn't want to leave you hanging in case you were waiting that I would potentially call and never did. Yeah. Meanwhile, she was acting like she had no idea what he was even talking about. Yeah. So we're like, all right. And again, Paul Rudd, God love him. I mean, he's, everybody likes Paul Rudd. He's charming. He's delightful. Even in this world, he's sweet and, you know, a good guy. Yeah. But I don't care. I did not care. Well, that was the other thing. So Catherine Hahn plays his assistant. She's pregnant. Yeah. And, but they, and she seemed to, I, I kept waiting for there to be some kind of romantic storyline with the two of them. Agreed. I thought she was going to say, well, I'm in love with you. Cause she's yeah. like that Catherine Hahn thing that she does where she's always kind of a little bit manic. Yeah. And I just thought she was going to, right, exactly. I thought at some point she was going to confess her love for him because she seemed very devoted to him. Yeah, she she's like trying to tell him information. He's like, don't do it. You can get in trouble. Making, find an apartment for him, makes him food, like really dotes on him. And is like, you know, really his only friend, really. All while she's like nine months pregnant with someone else's baby. And then, you know, what was strange too, is it's like he had never even met the guy. Like for as close as she seemed, as as close as their relationship seemed to be, which was very, like, it seemed like they really confided in one another. He knew very little about much of her life, which I found strange. I did too. And I think that she was all in, in retrospect, I didn't think this while I was watching it, but in retrospect, I was kind of thinking because he also makes this whole point of that has how his mother left him after watching Kramer versus Kramer. (laughs) Right. So I'm like, is she, I guess Kat, and Catherine Hahn is literally pregnant. I'm like, is this, she supposed to be like this stand-in maternal figure for him now, even though they're the same age or she might even be younger than him, that she's doing all this stuff for him, like to oh, help yeah. him like a mother would do? Yeah. That, it, even if that was the intention, that's also just- I don't strange. know. It was bad. Did he, James L. Brooks write this too? I think so. And I'll tell you what too. I mean, I haven't seen it in a million years, but like, you know, how everybody loves as good as it gets. I don't. Oh yeah. As good as it, well, I mean, again, again, that, is this, I said, is this as good as it gets? Cause if so, not <laughs> impressed. And again, I, I love Jack Nicholson. Who doesn't love Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Well, yes. And just to confirm in, yes, James L. Brooks is both the writer and director of this movie. I mean, he's written good movies. I mean, fucking broadcast news. He wrote, um, he wrote terms of endearment. He wrote, well, that's what I'm saying. These are like, this is a terrible, and apparently he worked on it for five years. Like, what were you working on for five years? What part of this took you five years? I don't know. Anyway, so yes. So, so Paul Rudd finds out he's going to be investigated at the same time. Reese Witherspoon finds out that she did not make team USA. She's getting old. And even though she is the emotional center of this team, they are forced to cut her. Right. So basically it's like, she's at a point in her life of who am I, if not a softball player, what am I going to do with my life? What's my next act? Paul Rudd is like everything I thought I knew. I don't, I could end up going to prison for something I didn't do, or, you know, wasn't aware that I did, you know, so his life's in turmoil, her life's in turmoil. Owen Wilson's life is great. Owen Wilson is very much enjoying his bachelor lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I did think was interesting though, is they, so, you know, theoretically, I mean, her her level of sport, you know, being a, an athlete was on par with Owen Wilson. Right. I mean, but she's sitting there saying, well, you know, women, when we retire from this game, normally, you know, the plan is go back to school or get married and have children and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, 
we heard Owen Wilson is making like $14 million a year. So it's just, I, that's the only kind of thing I liked a little bit is like casually kind of mentioning the disparity between women and male athletes. I also, I I actually, in that scene, I kept paying attention to the fact that she said repeatedly, like falling in love with a man and getting married. Like she kept saying with a man. I was like, um, I'm guarantee half of your, um, teammates are gay. Uh, yes. If not three, you know, that, yeah. I thought that was strange. She's like, they all want to get married and have babies to men. Yeah. They were specifically saying to men. Get married and have babies. Sure. But to men, right. I don't know about that one. Reese. <laughs> I don't know. That was the thing. I was like, this is hilarious. I'm like, um, okay. Like not only do professional softball players usually not look like Reese Witherspoon because she's like five, two and weighs a hundred pounds, but they also usually are not that interested in the, I don't think their life's goal is to marry a man and get married and have children. Yeah. And I, I would say that probably for all women who were, I, like, I, I, that was strange. That was a strange very specific thing that was in it that I went, what, why are you general? Like what? Yeah. And Owen Wilson is really, this is the other thing. Owen Wilson is really like just a caricature. He's really not a character because he has this beautiful bachelor pad. And then of course it goes to the ridiculous extreme that he has a closet solely dedicated to having pink sweatsuits for his romantic conquests so that they don't have to go home in whatever dress they were wearing when they hooked up with him. Yeah. When they do the walk of shame, they can be in head to toe Washington nationals gear. Yeah. How thoughtful he had sizes, extra small, small. And I think I saw a medium in there. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yes. And and Reese Witherspoon at first is like somewhat put off by this, but then sort of just kind of like, yeah, okay. I'll wear the pink sweatsuit and be just literally just a number around here. Yeah. Well, I guess she was like, you know, look, you are who you are. I I can respect that. You're being honest about it. So cool. Yeah. He was being honest about it, I guess. But anyway, so their romance progresses and at this, so then we toggle back to Paul Rudd, whose girlfriend upon learning that he is uh, under investigation decides that this is a good time to break up. And if things improve for you, let me know and we can get back together. But for right now, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. He's like, so basically he's like, basically, so you're breaking up with me until my, my troubles are over. And she's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, and you know, just to be clear, he had not done anything wrong. This was all his father, Jack Nicholson and his colleagues. He was just dragged down with them because of his, you know, association in this company. Yeah. He was the, he was the stooge. So Reese Witherspoon though, does wind up meeting Paul Rudd. Right. That, and that again was also an insane scene because she gets this awful news. I will say there's a scene where she's crying where she's brushing her teeth and she starts crying and I thought that was kind of well done because she she really was just like trying I think everybody's had that moment where you're trying to like push through a hard time and you're just like I got this and she's brushing her teeth and she's just crying she's brushing her teeth and I was like that was pretty good but all of her teammates come over and they're commiserating and she's like well I have to go everybody I have a a blind date it's like in what circumstance would you go through with a blind date? You'd right. say, this isn't a good night for me. I just found out I got fought, lost my job. Yeah. And same with him. He just finds out he's being indicted and basically has been kicked out of his office and can never go back to that job. Right. And so when they meet up, they're both just, I mean, I think his head's on the table. In his hands. He had it in his hands. And she's like, let's just sit here and not speak at all. Yep. And then they're both inexplicably ordered spaghetti and meatballs, <laughs> which I found interesting. I'm like, same order. Okay. They're just sitting there and eating in silence. And then yeah. she's like, all right, good luck to you. Goodbye. Yeah. And he's like, I met someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yes. And after that is when she starts sort of legitimately dating Owen Wilson but you know, because this is a movie, they wind up, uh, Paul Rudd and Reese Witherspoon wind up meeting up again accidentally and from there a sort of he definitely 
it's clear that he has an interest in her, but to her, this is just like a friendship. She likes talking to him. He's a nice guy. He's a good sounding board. He is very sweet to her. Yeah. They sort of have this friendship in which he has made it clear that he would like to be more than a friend. And she has been clear that they can only be friends. So unless he can't deal with that, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And again, that feels like it feels like we're watching it in real time, which was like weeks <laughs> later or maybe months. I kept being like, oh my God. It's just back and forth, back and forth. And Owen Wilson fucking up and her being like, oh, and then taking him back and yeah, moving in and moving out. Moving and moving out. It's constantly her packing up two duffel bags. It's just, yeah. con- I mean, the duff- duffel bags should have gotten billing in this movie. They're seen so much. I mean, she's packing up the duffel bags, bringing the duffel bags back taking it from here to there it was exhausting stay and then staying with paul rudd then going back to owen wilson and then keeps getting on city buses yeah buses all the time so many buses it was just, it takes place in washington dc i don't know if we said that but it's like it was i don't know what was happening or or why well that's the better question it's like who's she gonna pick the guy who's a professional athlete who is i mean in his defense he's kind of trying for his level you know he's like oh we need to be uh monogamous yeah i think i can probably try that or am i gonna pick the guy who's probably going to prison yes he did there was a chance that he was gonna go to prison but so much nicer or neither option c could be neither yeah or maybe she would hook up with the uh, shortstop or something yeah exactly (laughs) Owen Wilson says something to Reese Witherspoon, like you just alluded to, where she gets, she's like, wait, I thought we were monogamous. And he said, because they're living together at this point. Right. And right. And she said, uh, he says, sorry, he says, um, I thought we, I just didn't give up. The only thing I didn't give up is anonymous sex. But if you want me to give that up too, I will. She's so ridiculous. (laughs) But again, she kind of moved in with him out of necessity because it seemed like the minute she lost her job, she had zero money or prospects and needed to immediately. I just like that part didn't make sense to me either. If she's this world-class softball player, you would think she could make a, probably a pretty good living being a coach for like a college team or, you know, private lessons for all those rich kids in DC. I mean, I feel like you can probably make a pretty good living, right? I would think. I mean, yes, I, I think, well, I, I will say, I mean, th- this sort of was sprung on her. So I think this is still in the time where she could be figuring things out. Yeah. But I mean, it seemed like she was a woman with no options when it's like, it's it felt <laughs> yeah. like she did have options. Well, she did say that she had a tenant in her apartment because she had given it up. So that's kind of why she was really, you know, more destitute than normal. But anyway, so So then what happens is Owen Wilson is like, I'm going to make this up to you and I'm going to throw you this great birthday party at uh, my apartment. Very elaborate affair. And I'm going to go so far as to only invite mothers or wives of the players. (laughs) Right. Which I also thought was a strange, like mothers, why would mothers come? But okay. He's trying. And I will say, I think Owen Wilson is the best thing in this movie because he there's something about him that's charming and Jack Nicholson, even though he's semi phoning it in, it's still Jack Nicholson and he rules. Yeah. To your point, he doesn't really have that many scenes, but, and I guess that's supposed to give Paul Rudd some kind of complication because he basically has to decide if he will plead guilty for his father and do less than three years or risk his father uh, being found guilty, which he is guilty. So that's a big risk. And yeah. then going to jail for 25 years. Cause he had a prior um, infraction. And he said, this would be like the second strike and he would be going for 25 years. Right. So he's like, give up my life for a small amount of time, or basically like it's a death sentence for the father. Like he'll probably die in prison. Yes. And so he decides that he is going to uh he's he's not going to take the plea he's going to pursue love is basically what he says to his father right and and he seems kind of pleased with that like jack nicholson has a scene where he's like kind of smiling like good for you but then like oh fuck yeah no kidding but again it, it all of this goes on for so long i'm like oh 
Why? 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 Like we're waiting for buses in real time. Yeah, it's well, yes. Well, yes, actually. More yes. than once. Yeah. So he goes off to the birthday party. And when he arrives, uh, Owen Wilson is giving Reese Witherspoon her birthday present, which is a very expensive watch. Yeah. Beautiful watch, which the, I did like the touch that it was way too big for her. Yeah. I like that there. I will say this movie does have a couple of moments that are well done and little things that I'm like, oh, that was a nice touch. Or I like that they did there, but there were very few and far between for very, how long it was. And just not, it's like nothing happens really. No, well, yeah. So, right. So basically Paul Rudd walks in on that. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry. When you're done, can you come out? I need to talk to you. She comes out. He has a birthday present for her, which turns out to be Play-Doh. And he goes into this big speech about the creator of Plato and how he was like broke and, and someone, his sister-in-law, I think it was, told him to add color to it. And it became this insane yeah. bestseller that changed his life. It was about basically second acts. And I guess it's also appropriate that she's supposed to be 31. Yes, is that correct? 31. And that at 31 is when she's supposed to be having a next act. And yes. the men are all, at least 10 years older, if not more so. None of them are doing second acts. It's just the 30-year-old woman. The 30-year-old woman. Well, I will say at least that is probably more true to life is that 31 was actually pretty done. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so then she, so you think, okay, here's the thing. At that point, he gives this whole speech and she's like, like, it's like, oh, the light bulbs are going off in her head and you think, this is it. This is going to be the end of the movie. She's going to be like, I choose you. Yeah. But no, they have to drag it out. So they leave the room. She goes back to the party. He says to her, <laughs> back to the bus, I'm going to wait for the bus. And if, you know, if this resonates with you at all, come out to the bus stop and find me. Yeah. And so he leaves and she uh, goes back to the party and is talking to Owen Wilson and basically realizes Paul Rudd is for her. Yeah, he has a cute line, I guess, where he's like, well, it's because you love me too. And she's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then the movie ends. Well, that yeah, so she does go running out to the bus stop. They sit down at the bus. They kiss, sorry. And then they sit down at the bus and they wait for the bus. But actually, even though they've just kissed for the first time, it almost seems like while they're waiting for the bus that she's like putting him back in the friend zone because she was just like, yeah, she's like, oh, yeah. I mean, in general, she seems nonplussed about things anyway. But and then the movie ends. It drags on. Nothing happens for what feels like three to seven months. And then it just ends. So we don't even know what happens, who if he goes to jail, what, you know, not, like uh, nothing. Yeah. And to that point. This was one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Did it come out in the movies? It did. It had a budget of $120 million. Oh my God. What year was this movie again? 2010. 2010. Okay. That was mostly due to the high salary demands of the principal cast and director. Naturally. Yeah. It had a lengthy production. Again, why? Maybe they were writing it as they went along. Oh my God. And then they did a costly reshoot for the beginning and the ending. And then it is estimated to have lost $105 million. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Well, I can't say I'm surprised. Um, and this is also one of three movies with similar plot lines with uh, Reese Witherspoon. The other two being Sweet Home Alabama, which I liked that movie. Yeah, I, li- I love that movie. Um, and this means war from 2012, which I don't think I ever saw, but also that movie got terrible reviews. I do recall. I've never even heard of that one. That one's with Chris Pine and I like Chris Pine. All right. I like Chris Pine too. I definitely. I like now how he has like the bushy beard and he looks like very seven 1970s style to me. Yeah. He's, he's very cute. Uh, well, you know, our favorite rotten tomatoes and has 31% on. I feel like that's still too high. Still too high. Yeah. So Roger Ebert, his review, the headline of his review is Jack made a dull boy. <laughs> Good one, Rog. Yes. 
you can't blame Jack Nicholson for this. He's he did about three days of shooting, if that. <laughs> he did, yeah, exactly. Roger says intimate personal behavior doesn't much enter in because all the characters are limited to sitcom problems. Maddie, that's almost in Maddie's troubles are shallowness and sex addiction. Yep. George is a nice man, ethical, who faces indictment on a technicality. In theory, he should have known every detail about the financial malfeasance. How do you say it? Malfe- malfeasance. Thank you. Financial malfeasance of his father's company. It do- almost doesn't work out that way. Uh, he says he expected the movie to be better. This is the fourth time that James Brooks worked with Jack Nicholson. The other three. Well, ter- terms of endearment. Yeah. As good as it gets. Yes. And another good one, which I don't actually remember Jack Nicholson being in. Oh, he's in broadcast news for a hot second. Broadcast news. Yes. Yeah. The only, those are the three. Again, I, although I don't, do you like as good as it gets? I don't love it. I do like as good as it gets. It's shot in my neighborhood. It was shot in my neighborhood. Oh, in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Oh, Helen Hunt. I'm not, and I've never been into Helen Hunt. No, I don't really like Helen Hunt either. Like the fact that she won an Oscar to me is shocking. (laughs) <laughs> shocking i was like well really so he says that jack nicholson doesn't have a lot to work with here but he's really just playing a creep which he thinks is you know not not great not for jack nicholson. yeah uh he agrees with you and the best written and funniest role in the film is for owen wilson that's right raj i agree i think he was funny his his little the way he would make her repeat back and she'd be like it's good and he'd be like it's great like, I don't, it's just, that's, you know, everybody, like just Owen Wilson's vibe. Either you like, you're into it or you're not. Yeah. He says he plays a man toned after the feelings of women and clueless about his own behavior, but he's so nice about it that Lisa agrees to move in. Yeah. Paul Rudd, he says is very likable, but this is the wrong time for him to fall in love. His world is collapsing. He has nothing to offer Lisa and not enough trust in himself for her to realize that she loves him, the big dummy. And he says, all this whizzes along for a few feet off the ground, like most rom-coms. Reese Witherspoon is always immensely cuddly, but it's not Lisa's heart that's involved here. It's her storyline. Nothing heats up. The movie doesn't lead us. It simply stays in step. Uh, Jack Nicholson is one of the few actors who always inspires a quiet chuckle of anticipation when he first appears in the movie. This is a rare movie that doesn't give him a chance to deserve it. Look, I'm in agreement with Roger Ebert on this. I am too. He's spot on, Raj. He's exactly right. That's the problem with the movie. It goes on and on. Nothing happens. And there's really not much chemistry with either her and Owen Wilson or or her and Paul Rudd. Neither. No, I agree. I think she should have taken up with her softball coach. That would have been much more interesting. Yeah. That would have been a twist that no one saw coming. I would, or I think we, I would have seen it coming because <laughs> I think you're right. There was no, I was like, maybe try something else. How do you know, Reese? Right. You, there was no chemistry with either of the guys. Yeah. The, the, the movie could have thrown us a curveball, huh? Ah. Yeah. All right, Anne. Well, I feel like I, now I have to apologize to you because i feel like i've picked the last three movies and none of them have been good um i don't know if i'd even say that i wait what last time was well i did i picked eyes wide shut well i love i i love eyes wide shut yeah i didn't love eyes wide shut i do you know what we have to do we asked everybody on instagram what summer movies we should do and we got a couple of good suggestions we got summer lovers our friend of the podcast vicky which i think maybe we should watch i don't even know what that is that's the one it's from 82 it's peter gallagher uh daryl hannah it's like they're on a they're on a um beach vacation in greek and then they meet up with this other woman and it's like the three of them kind of have a romance oh yeah it's a romance drama and I'm looking at it right now. One hour, 39 minutes. I would do that one. All right. And then we had summer catch. What's that one? 2001. That's Jessica Beale and Freddie Prince jr. Oh, a coming of age, romantic comedy 
the Cape Cod Baseball League. We just did baseball. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, Vicky Christina Barcelona, which is a really good movie, but it's Woody Allen. Yes, I think I saw that a long time ago. That, um, that Anna suggested. And then uh, One Crazy Summer, someone named James Henry recommended. And I love One Crazy Summer. I would watch One Crazy Summer again. Yeah, I would do that. That and Summer Lovers are my two on this list that I would All right, be well, we'll on see board with. Which, which of those two will we pick? Yeah. James L. Brooke, the L for long movie. And he did all the Simpsons stuff. Like, that's the thing. I mean, he's he's a, obviously a good writer. Oh, my God. Extremely, extremely. T- I mean, just those, those other three movies that he did with Jack Nicholson. They're all well, like extremely good movies. Yeah, that makes up for this. Everybody. You know what? It's just like in this movie. Everybody sometimes misses the mark or you don't succeed <laughs> yeah. at, you know, what you were what you were trying for. And, you know, in his case, it was a $105 million mistake. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, listen, he's made plenty more, but he's made plenty of money for all the companies that he worked for. So really it's probably he's even Steven. Yes. But I will say seriously, if I were Jack Nicholson, I would do one more movie. So that would not be my last film. I think Jack Nicholson is living out the rest of his life, having the best time. Anytime you see pictures of him, he is living it up. Did you ever see there's a picture of him? He's like wearing no shirt, like out on the water, eating like a, is he eating a turkey leg or a sandwich? He's eat, it's, I got to find it. It's like my favorite picture. Oh, it's just the epitome of just, I don't give a shit. And I'm just kicking back and maxing and relaxing. <laughs> it's the best. I think he's just enjoying, enjoying his life now. Yeah. It would have to be some role, I think for him to come back decide to come back and and do something all right Anne. well i have to say i started out this podcast with not much energy but it's invigorated me yeah look at that i am so full of energy now that i'm gonna go right to bed i know it's it's a it's a sunday night it's a little tiring all right well i'm glad that we have some thoughts for next week and thank you to all of our listeners for sending in suggestions keep them coming Oh, here's the picture. He's eating, he's eating like a full, like foot long sub Oh, in the water. It's delightful. And he's smoking. He's having the best time. He's eat, it says Jack Nicholson eating a hoagie and smoking. He's like, just in the water. He's just really enjoying himself. And it makes you go, all right, man, that's the way to do it. Good for you, Jack. <laughs> Good for you, Jack. I'll just on my body.